everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Guidance with Grace. I'm Grace, and today we are actually just doing a nice little segue from macronutrients to micronutrients. And I am sitting here with Paula Gallagher again. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thanks for coming back. I think this is a very interesting topic because uh, as we were just brainstorming just now, this I think is underlooked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People often think about the macros because that's where the calories come from, which is important because often we eat too many or we'll go to the extreme and eat too little if we're looking for certain goals. But micronutrients are just as important, if not more important. Exactly. Um, I guess we'll start by defining a micronutrient. How about we do that? <laughs> All right. So a micronutrient uh, is just another word for vitamins and minerals. So it's all the the smaller particles, I suppose, in the foods that we're eating. And last time when we talked about macronutrients, we talked about the food groups and variety. And that's important to make sure that you're getting adequate macronutrients. But it's also important because each type of food is going to have a different type of micronutrient, a different type of vitamin and mineral in it. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about vitamins and minerals, we have fat-soluble and we have water-soluble vitamins. What are those? Yeah, so we have fat-soluble vitamins where their main source is fatty foods. Um, Not necessarily bad fatty foods, but things like avocado and oils and nuts and seeds. Those are vitamins A, D, E, and K. So we find those in those types of foods. But we also have our water-soluble vitamins. So those are the other vitamins, like all of our different B vitamins as well as vitamin C. So those are the two classes of vitamins. And then we have our other class of minerals. So things like calcium, um, iron, selenium. um, And the minerals are even broke into major minerals and trace minerals. So just the amount that we need per day would uh, categorize it as a major mineral or a trace mineral. So we Mm -hmm. have lots of different ways to break down our micronutrients. Yeah. And uh, some of those are specified on food labels. I know I see it like um, sodium. Mm -hmm. Um, Sodium is always like on there (laughs) because that's a mineral, right? Right. So we have, there are certain minerals and vitamins that need to be put on the food labels. So the food label is changing come January 1, 2020. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see some different vitamins and minerals on there. Sodium is a mineral. It's going to stay on there. Um, We're adding potassium and we're adding vitamin D to the food label. Um, Right now on the food label, we also have vitamin A and C. Mm -hmm. But as of January 1, 2020, vitamin A and C will no longer be on there because it's almost 2020 and we're not really concerned about those vitamins anymore. Mm -hmm. We're more concerned about things like potassium and iron and vitamin D. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Do you know what the change is? Yeah, it's because we, vitamin D is uh, a vitamin that a lot of people are deficient in. Mm -hmm. Specifically, if you live in the northern part of uh, the United States, vitamin D deficiency is really prevalent because we don't get adequate amounts of sunlight. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons that one is being put on the food Mm -hmm. label where vitamin A deficiency, vitamin C deficiency, we just don't really see those deficiencies anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're removing those ones. Mm-hmm. That's really good to know. And I mean, it probably plays a huge role when it comes wintertime here in Ohio. Exactly. If you're not even getting outside, because where does your vitamin D come from if you're not going outside? Yeah, vitamin D is hard to get in foods. Um, so we do rely pretty heavily on the sun. We need about, so depending on the pigment of your skin, 
um, you could need anywhere from five minutes of sunlight with no sunscreen to three hours. So the more fair skin and pale skinned you are, it could just be that five minutes of sunlight per day. The darker a person's skin is, the more sun they need, and it can be up to three hours of sunlight. That's amazing. And that's direct sunlight. So, like, even think in the winter when we do get, like, a rare sunny day, usually you go outside and you're completely bundled up. Maybe your your face is exposed, but did you put on lotion or any makeup that helped protect you from the UV rays? So mm. you could be getting no sunlight, or I'm sorry, no UV rays that help your body create that vitamin D. Mm -hmm. So what really happens, vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. So the hope is that in the summer, you get lots of sunlight, you really build up your vitamin D. And because it's fat-soluble, you can store it. So we store our vitamin D. And then throughout the winter months, our vitamin D kind of goes down and down and down. And then spring comes and summer comes again, and we can build up our vitamin D. Mm. But if you never really built up that vitamin D when you were supposed to be getting a lot of that sunshine, you can develop that vitamin D deficiency during the winter months. Mm. So it is important to um, ask your doctor to be tested for, uh, to have your vitamin D tested because a supplement might be needed, but you also shouldn't be taking a vitamin D supplement unless you know that you actually need it because mm -hmm. it is fat soluble. You do store it so it, we can actually take vitamin D in in toxic levels if we're taking a supplement that we don't need. Mm -hmm. And that, that's a nice little uh, shift into what we actually need. I yeah. think it's important to kind of like what you're talking about. There's there's puzzle pieces in our diet. Mm -hmm. And if we're not taking in a variety of things, problems can occur. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you were talking about the like the recommended daily intake of certain things. Can yeah. you speak on, on that and maybe how we might know if we're deficient, what symptoms might happen? Yeah, there are so many different symptoms that could occur if you are deficient in a vitamin. So some of our vitamins do work together. So for example, our B vitamins. Typically, if a person's deficient in one B vitamin, like vitamin B12, they're also deficient in things like B6 and B1 and B2. So a lot of our B vitamins work together where a person can be deficient in just one fat-soluble vitamin. So a person could just have a vitamin D deficiency, but their vitamin E and their vitamin K are perfectly normal. Mm. So some vitamins, like vitamin K, can be made by the body. So actually our intestinal bacteria make about half of the vitamin K that we need per day. Wow. So vitamin K deficiency is really rare. Vitamin E deficiency is also really rare because the main source of vitamin E is oils. And as Americans, we get plenty of oil. So that's another um, uh, pretty rare deficiency. Mm. Vitamin A is uh, kind of an interesting nutrient because vitamin A is potentially one of the most toxic vitamins because we really? do store it. We uh -huh. store all of our fat-soluble vitamins, but you do have to be careful. Um, a person should never be taking a vitamin A supplement unless they, their doctor has told them that they are deficient. Most multivitamins only have about 50% of your vitamin A needs. Um, because we do get vitamin A and beta carotene, it's precursor in our diet. We don't need very much in our multivitamin because we want to be sure that people aren't taking in toxic amounts of vitamin mm. A. Um, but a lot of vitamin uh, deficiencies can cause um, fatigue, um, a person who may constantly feel cold. It can also cause some cravings, so something mm. known as pica, which is where people 
crave non-food substances like clay or chalk or even a person who constantly wants to chew on ice, that could be a sign of a mineral deficiency and the mineral is iron. So it's really difficult to know what symptoms are going with what deficiency. Mm. Um, and that's why it is important to talk to your doctor if you're having some of those strange symptoms or symptoms of like chronic fatigue. Yeah, that's actually really a, a great note to make because I think a lot of us struggle with knowing what the next step would be. Like, oh, I feel this way. I'm going to go to my doctor. But so many side effects or so many things can lead to the same side effects. Exactly. Fatigue can be a side effect of so many different things. So knowing what your options are and maybe suggesting like, hey, maybe we haven't hit, we haven't hit this yet. Like, let's mm-hmm. test my you know, vitamins and see if I'm deficient anywhere. I think that that is a fantastic idea. Yeah. And it's really interesting too, because, um, children react a different way to vitamin deficiencies. So some vitamin and mineral deficiencies can actually cause irritability and hyperactivity in children. Mm. So some children may be misdiagnosed with something like ADHD and hyperactivity, but really it might be a vitamin or mineral deficiency that we're looking at. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And I mean, that it really does, you know, really show the importance of getting a variety of foods and making sure that you are eating a colorful diet because a lot of our situations that we are found in with our mood, um, different things that we're struggling with, uh, like sleep or something like that could literally just be because you're not eating what you should be. Yeah. And that's hard to find out. And kind of, it kind of transitions into some of these um, tests, which we'll talk about um, in our next episode on gut health, but um, t- talk about like food sensitivities and, and kind of gut health in general. Um, you said our gut makes a lot of um, things that we need, like the vitamins, like vitamin K, but if we're not getting it or if we feel like our stomachs are always upset, those things you know, it's kind of bothersome. So like, should we take those food sensitivity tips, food sensitivity tests? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Probably not. Um, there is not really a good scientific way right now to test for food sensitivities. There just isn't. Um, physicians can test for something like lactose intolerance, but like testing for a sensitivity to, I don't know, watermelon or pecans or something odd Mm -hmm. like that. We just really don't have a good way to test for it. So a lot of the tests that are on the market right now that are being sold at a wild rate are just not accurate. Mm-hmm. We can test for food allergies for sure. Um, doctors can run blood work to see what kind of antibodies you have. So testing f- for things like egg allergies, peanut allergies, um, celiac disease. Yes, we definitely have scientific ways to do that. But testing for sensitivities, there just is not a good way right now. In fact, some people run those food sensitivity tests. They look at the list of what they might be sensitive to. And then they have it redone in three three months or six months, and the list is completely different. Mm. So a lot of those food sensitivities uh, reflect things that you're currently eating. So if you're eating a lot of a specific type of food, it might show up on a food sensitivity test. It's not because you're sensitive to it, but it's because the body makes memory antibodies that are being picked up in those tests. So I generally tell people not 
to waste their money testing for food sensitivities. Mm-hmm. Maybe just go um, to your doctor. <laughs> go to your doctor or um, maybe like kind of test it out yourself. Be like, I wonder if this food bothers me. Take it out of your diet for a week. See if anything's different. Mm-hmm. If not, add it back into your diet. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably better off doing something like that. Of course, under the guidance of maybe a registered dietitian or a physician, that mm-hmm. would be great. Um, but generally, I say don't waste your money buying those online Those tests. are expensive. They are. Yeah. And they're just not accurate. Yeah. That's definitely, that's great. I think um, we get sucked into the, the marketing. The so gimmicks, don't do exactly. it. Eat mm-hmm. whole foods. Eat a variety. Yeah. And see how that goes. Right. Or eat like you said, take foods, it out. Eat a variety of foods. Uh, eat your fruits and vegetables. Get adequate sunlight. And you should be good to go. Mm-hmm. The last one I wanted to talk about, just because it's kind of a gimmicky thing, taking supplements in general. Uh, you were talking about earlier when we were kind of brainstorming all of this stuff, uh, vitamin B and metabolism and fat burner and yeah. all of that stuff. Can you talk on maybe why people are sucked into that? I think people are sucked into it because everyone wants instant gratification Mm. and a quick fix, right? So if you're going down the supplement aisle and you see a B vitamin supplement that says fat burner or carb burner on it, you're like, all right, I want to eat my cake and I want to take this supplement and just burn those carbs Mm. away. And (laughs) that's not exactly how supplements work. So um, some of the B vitamin supplements do have those taglines on them because B vitamins do help us metabolize the energy in our macronutrients. So carbs, fats, protein, they have calories. And our B vitamins help us use the calories out of our macronutrients. So I guess in a roundabout way, sure, a B vitamin is going to help you blast fat. But just because you're taking a B vitamin supplement doesn't mean that you're going to do it at an increased rate or burn more fat. So the supplements aren't lying per se, Mm -hmm. but there's not the whole story on the supplement. Not only that, but a lot of our micronutrients are synergistic, so they work together. So if we're taking a large supplemental dose of one supplement, but we're missing all these other vitamins. Mm-hmm. That puzzle piece. Right. It's, it's missing. So like vitamin D and calcium work together, and we need both of them. Or iron and vitamin C. You know, if we take vitamin C when we're taking an iron, it enhances the absorption. Mm-hmm. But if we're just taking iron by itself, we might not absorb 100% of what's in that supplement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something else to think about too, that just because a supplement says it has 100% of your vitamin or mineral needs, that does not mean that you're actually absorbing 100% of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be absorbing as low as 20 or 30% of it, depending on what micronutrient we're talking about. So mm-hmm. I don't like people to use supplements as like a band-aid for a not-so-good diet. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have them try to get their vitamins and minerals from food. And then if we have a special circumstance, like they have a gut disorder or they're vegetarian or vegan or they're lactose intolerant, in those situations, a supplement might be warranted. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, definitely tune in next week, guys, because we're going to continue this conversation. Gut health, micronutrients, micronutrients and macronutrients, they all are connected. So um, definitely look forward to that. I thank you so much for coming in and I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about gut health because I feel like I've got problems. (laughs) You and (laughs) everyone else. (laughs) So I know that there's somebody else, right? I know that there's somebody else out there that's 
either struggling to try to figure it all out to, and really guys just knowing what your options are, because yes, it's one thing to say to have a healthy diet, but maybe knowing what your resources are here in the community or just, you know, getting a better variety, you know, how to approach that. So we're definitely going to be talking about that as well. Thank you so much, Paula. Thank you for having me. I'm Grace and we'll see you guys next week.